And a good morning to you folks. Happy Wednesday to you. Hump day it is, and it is thawing out time here across Shale Play USA. And what a fabulous day to do some exercise. I understand a lot of people are without power out there, and it's hard to keep a positive outlook. But as cold as it is, remember, exercise releases chemicals that calm and heal. It also provides a momentary escape from your thoughts. It warms you up. So just doing a simple thing like some running in place or maybe jumping or maybe even just doing some push-ups, good old-fashioned Herschel Walker push-ups, you give yourself a little time out from thinking about your situation. When you finish whatever exercise you've chosen, your body will have released some of the calming chemicals and some of the energy that will make your mind refreshed and your body warm. This can also give you an entirely new perspective for your day. Now let's do a little humpity humpity hump on a Wednesday. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Is that water I hear in the background, Mr. J.P. Ward? That is a very sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I was going to ask you, do you have running water back? Because, you know, when we were talking earlier, you were saying a lot of homes down in Texas are without water. Folks, welcome to the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show, the truncated version, the extremely truncated version this morning. In fact... It's so truncated, I brought J.P. Warren on to give me a hand this morning because I'm already late on the morning show. I'm in the middle of Hot Springs, South Dakota, traveling. You know how that goes. It never goes the way you seem. I got blasted in Weld County. You got blasted down in Texas. Poor Sterling's back in Fargo with the kids doing the domestic duty thing. He's got a wife and kids, not him and I. I don't want to confuse people. I, I understand how I phrase that. So just calling that out quick. Anywho, um, it's a lot going on, man. And so I appreciate you coming on. I wanted to have you on specifically because I really did not want to do a two-hour morning show this morning. I wanted to do basically a five, 10-minute morning show and then tell people to go listen to your podcasts Go listen to my podcast. Go, ch- Like you mentioned, a lot of people in Texas are without power, so their phones are their only source of entertainment. So how you doing, man? You know what? Uh, we are riding this. Uh, this is J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Um, we ran out of water yesterday, and uh, we've had power, fortunately, but uh, a lot of the neighbors, that's the thing, though. It's one of those things, like, doesn't matter uh, – of course, some communities are hit harder, but it's kind of a, a, a crapshoot when it's ever who has water, who has power, who has who lost both, who has both. I think currently right now there's a lot of homes that are facing uh, – a lot of people are talking the, the outage of power right now, but fortunately we're on kind of the other side of the, the, the hard freeze that uh, I guess was in Houston the last two days. Uh, should kind of uh, ease up by tomorrow, but it's just it's just one of those things. I mean, you, you just – you know, you, you have uh, – for example, my wife and I, we had uh, uh, 
power and water. And, you know, we had kind of a wait list of people who wanted to come over to our house and, and stay that had no power or water. There was one of my customers and his, he's up in North Dakota working rigs and his wife and his uh, a newborn are at the house with his in-laws. We opened our homes to them, but it's just, it's just tough right now. It's just, you don't know when things are get back to normal. You keep on hearing uh, about all this, uh, you know, pe- people at homes right now with no power and water. It just sucks. But I mean, we're making the best we can do. We're, it's camping for us right now. You know, it's a, uh, it could be worse. It could always be worse. You and I were talking a little bit before we got on the air briefly about how you're from Connecticut, I, of course, from North Dakota, so the infrastructure that is down in Texas is not anywhere near the infrastructure that's Connecticut or North Dakota. So before we start dissecting this a little bit, because I truly believe right now is a teachable moment for the renewable industry, I believe it's a teachable moment for the climate activists, I believe it is a teachable moment for the oil and gas industry to say, look at this, guys. We are here every single day, rain or shine. We're better than the post office, you know. And so I I just, before we get into, you know, talking about some of the infrastructure, because I really want to hear about some of the challenges you have down there, J.P. Warren, um, versus, you know, what you experienced in Connecticut. And I'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff we've experienced in, in North Dakota in a minute. But uh, I just wanted to set the table from the 5,000-foot view because, remember, this is a truncated version this morning. we got to fit 20 pounds of potatoes in a five-pound sack because we got things to do today, man. So that, that sounds like me when I'm on a bathing suit with my shirt's off. You know what I mean? I feel like that's how I would describe myself. Well, I'm looking in the mirror right now, so that's what kind of gave you my inspiration was looking at myself. <laughs> but I just wanted you know people to understand that what we're about to talk about on a micro level is basically your home and your, your, your neighbor's homes and your community homes, because they were not ready for this Arctic blast for the extended period of time. And I believe this is a great comparison to what this crash course of trying to put us on a green movement of, of uh, wind and solar and everything like that, like that, very, very relatable. So I, I just wanted to set that table a little bit. If you disagree with me that that's not a, a fair comparison, you can certainly opine your differences. But uh, based on our previous conversation, I think we're at least in the same ballpark. Look, I think this is an excellent opportunity. Uh, uh, yes, I think this is a great opportunity for – and the thing is I would like to say, oh, this would be great to co- go back and kind of reset the narrative and kind of tell our story. That being said, I, I was thinking about this last night. We are n- not in charge of our narrative. You know, that's one of the reasons why we don't watch the news uh, in this ha- in this household. Because I find all that it's, it's written for you. It tells you what to think. It tells you what to feel about certain industries, certain things, certain uh, certain topics. So we kind of stay away from that. And, you know, I'm thinking about this. It's like, look, at the end of the day, this, if anything, yes, this highlights the not just the importance of fossil fuels, but the importance of every energy uh whether it's renewables whether it's wind solar fossil fuels coal whatever it is i mean this this if anything this shouldn't this shouldn't be like a a renewables table versus a fossil fuels table if anything this should highlight the, the the importance of saying okay well we we are sitting at the same table we are we are sit we provide energy just like everyone else does we're sitting at the same table not only do we belong at the table but we 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 need to have a voice at the table we are actually because look the renewable 
the renewable push and the renewable technology that's here that's getting here that, that's fine i'm okay with that but the assumption that we can just make that switch as you were saying from one day to the next you know it's just turn on the you know the wind turbines and we'll just go you know we'll just go 50 percent wind you know moving forward that's that's just not here right now so if anything i would hope i would hope that this actually um uh, makes uh, and, and, and i don't even phrase this right it, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like it's not a their table versus our table. This is like we belong at – they belong at the energy table so we can all discuss how to provide energy to, to American families that need it at an affordable rate. All right? That is the most important thing that we do, and to deny us access to that table or those conversations is going to be detrimental to, uh, to, uh, to American families out there. Seems like a good time to remind everybody that – as far as the crude life is concerned and Jason Spies is concerned, the energy industry has been decarbonizing since the days of Abraham Lincoln, over 150 years, all by itself, long before the Sierra Club or Greta Thunberg came along. Okay, this has been happening naturally. And there's been some spills and some problems along the way. But defy me an industry where that hasn't happened, from agriculture to technology to automotive, you name it. Their accidents create regulations. Regulations create uh, better work, better workplaces and environments. Okay. Now, if the energy industry wasn't making these corrections along the ways, example XL uh, Exxon Valdez, we've got double tankers and. Uh, membrane bladders and et cetera that came out of that tanker. Not too many tankers have have had problems since the XS, Exxon Valdez uh, back in the 80s or 90s, whenever that was. We had the BP, okay? We learned a lot from that, a lot, from the blows and the blowbacks and some automation and a and, and d- number of different things. So I get it. Problems happen, or you know what? It's it's a podcast. It's the morning. It's everything. Shit happens. But here's the deal: they continually learn from their mistakes and make life better. They don't ignore it. They don't stick their head under the sand. That's other people who do that. So when we look at the last 150 plus years, the oil and gas industry specifically, or the fossil fuel industry specifically, has been decarbonizing. Okay, because we started out with hay and wood. Then we burned, you know, we got into whales for a while. We almost took out the whale population because we needed heat and lights and everything, burning whale oil. Well, then they discovered crude oil and, and coal and that sort of thing. And then the hydrocarbons went down to four now with natural gas. That's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good. And it happened with its own smart, clever capitalists in the marketplace. Didn't need Greta Thunberg, Joe Biden, or the Sierra Club coming along, forcing them overnight when there's no technology that exists. That's the, that's the real problem with this, is this crash course when it was just happening naturally. It was just, it was happening naturally. So anyway, for me, I believe a lot of climate activists should go back and take a look at the history of the energy evolution and, and then really look in the mirror and ask yourself, do you really have more attitude or more information? Because my guess is, is you're a lot more attitude than you are information. All right, soapbox that, that, over. Soapbox over. Your turn, JP. That's, that's a great. No, no, I, Jason. That's a, that's a great point. And honestly, just something to something to kind of segue on that. Every single whether any every single industry that that produces energy, 
there is some sort of uh, whether it's a, a, a economic uh, environmental footprint or whether it's a carbon release, whatever that is, whether you're producing wind uh, turbines, whether you're producing car batteries and you're mining those minerals and whether or whether you're extracting hydrocarbons out of the ground, there will be a, uh, a footprint or whatever you want to call that that's released. Our industry is doing our job and we have been, as you said, 100 years ago. And now it's just with the ESG initiatives, it's 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 vamped up so quickly and we're doing such a good job of reducing our carbon footprint capturing carbon uh whatever that is reduce not flaring and yeah that that's great and all you know but at the end of the day it's like let's not focus on the the dirty side of you know when i say the dirty side the dirty side of our business the dirty side of you know making the turbines and the dirty side of getting those let's let's discuss the actual energy that we produce because we are doing a good job self-regulating and putting in practices that reduce our carbon footprint. So that being said, I think all that, I mean, again, we're not going to choose our narrative. We're not going to be able to write our narrative. We're not going to be able to write our narrative. But at the same time, we can, I guess, uh, speak to it, I guess, more in a, okay, yes, this is a, this is a natural product of what we do. That's fine. This is what we're doing with that. The news, you're going to pick up what you want with that. We're not really concerned about that. We don't give a shit. But what we are going to do, we're going to continue to reduce uh, emissions. We're going to continue to, to extract these hydrocarbons in a more green manner, and more ESG focused, and we're going to provide affordable electricity or affordable energy toward to American uh, families. You know that used with uh, that. You know fossil fuels. You know used with you know solar. Used with wind. Used with all this. I mean that that is the entire package that we can provide. Uh, not we, but all of us can provide American families. Another good way to reset the conversation, another great teachable moment, in my opinion, and JP, I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is a lot of times when, at least in my experience, when I've been talking to a climate activist or listening to some rhetoric from a politician who's really on this green movement, this green initiative, they like to talk about the future, okay, they like it to talk about the, the future in terms of some sort of doomsday or some sort of acceleration type thing. And then they, they like to use the present to do that. Well, when I take a look at 100 years ago to today, lots changed. I mean, a lot's changed from 100 years ago to today. So for a lot of these people to talk about the future, they act like it's not going to change. They act like exactly the way that we're living today is exactly the technology and the way of lifestyle it's going to be in 100 years. It, uh, that, that part is completely, I think, removed from the conversation. And for some reason, they're able to kind of slight that hand or move that, you know what I mean, kind of slide that card in there without anybody calling them out on it. And I think it's time to start calling people out on that. What do you think? Well, it's the doomsday mentality. I mean, how, do you, how else do you get people to go on your side? How else do you get people who don't have the time to, I guess, dive into and, and find out their own information. I mean, yeah, it's, it's the, it's the whole, it's the illusion of uh, safety brought on by fear. You know what I mean? The post COVID world, post nine 11, uh, post, you know, hydrocarbon world. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's it is a conversation. It is, it is uh, having a conversation, it, uh, a real life conversation, but that's the thing though. It's, it's just as you said, how we're living today. I, I don't know, Jason, this, it, it seems like a, a, a bigger conversation in a five ten minute uh, uh 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 talk but it's there's a lot of aspects to it. I, I i don't have an answer to that no i just i just look at cars and airplanes and say just start with that look at homes cars airplanes those have changed dramatically in the last hundred years 
So if well, if, the, if, if technology is always going to change, right? And and, 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 I, and you don't see oil and gas companies right now that have any hope to get any capital unless they have a focused ESG. No, but that's my point: is that a lot of times when a lot of the climate activists they they, they like to talk about the future because really at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the future. We're talking about well, look, the future, and and nobody can predict the future. And they think they've got better models than that than the gypsy and the and the magic eight ball, which they don't. It's all the same. It's the future. No one can predict it. But it's one of those. Look, we all want to get to that that you know utopian future and all that stuff. But at the same time, is if we make that, let's say we made that switch a month ago, okay, and this winter front came down in Texas and all that stuff, we would be more screwed, okay. Uh, power would be out a lot longer, okay. The, the disruption, the disruption in everyday's uh, everyone's everyday life would be tenfold what we're experiencing right now. And and the cost to heat homes, I mean, I'm already seeing that ERCOT's uh, thinking about running up the cost. You know, that's that's a different uh, conversation. But the technology to make that that switch that runs off of that hope, dreams, you know, the technology that isn't here yet is just it's to, to me. That's just that's that's pie in the sky. That's not that's not down to earth. It's not realistic. And and to me, you can't think like that. You know the mayor of Bismarck, Steve Bakken. He uh, told me off the air we were talking about wind power, and he looks at me and he goes, "You've heard of hor- horsepower, right? In an engine." He goes, "Wind power is powered by unicorn power." <laughs> I just about <laughs> died laughing. <laughs> so, and yesterday was a proof of that. And there'll be plenty of time for finger pointing and back and forth and everything else. But I really think. At the end of the day, yesterday or this week, especially down in Texas, those pictures of the helicopter up there de-icing oh, yeah. those wind turbines, I still think that is the best PR to come out of the oil and gas industry in over 10 years, as long as it's done correctly. Okay, you can't use it as a, you know, an FU tool or something like that. It needs to be an educational piece to these people. I think that might help connect because, oh, did you, I, I, do you know what I mean by that? I know what you. That, are you talking about? Yeah, the, this, the, that was the uh, the helicopter that was uh, de-icing yeah. the, uh, the West Texas, uh, uh, yeah, wind turbines. I no, mean, I I, I, I would and that, love. And that's the thing, though. You're exactly right. It doesn't have to be. And that it's like we were here. You know, the 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 affordable energy that you're able to heat your home as long as you could before power got cut off. That's natural gas right there. That but, wasn't wind. And, and by the way, folks, just so you know, for those of you that were a little bit taken back or offended when I said that it was extremely offensive and cavalier of President Biden and uh, Kerry, whatever he is now, a senator, or Caesar, what is he? Uh, he's a, he's a, no, he's an envoy, 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 climate envoy to just say go build solar panels. That's an extremely offensive thing to say, especially based on yesterday. I mean, think that about was, that. You got the president of the United States and the climate envoy who are, what do they used to call the president? The most powerful people, person in the free world? Okay. Right. You, you're saying, go build solar panels. Not only is that heartless, but that is extremely cavalier with people's lives based on yesterday. So I hope that gets talked about in the media as well, because in my opinion, that, that is probably worse than almost anything Donald Trump ever said. But I can't say that because now it's political. When all I'm doing is saying, this is what a guy said, and this is what happened, in my interpretation is, it's pretty heartless, dude. <laughs> I don't know. 
What's your thought on well, that? We're still playing hard a little bit, JP, here this morning. Well, you know, you know, you know what? I'm actually trying to look for a for a, a tweet that Elon Musk uh, uh, put out there. I'm not going to put it out there too, but for Kerry to say that, oh, oil and gas workers. Just go, just go build solar panels. That pissed me off. I, that, you know what that reminded me of? That reminded me of the always sunny Philadelphia uh, see, uh, scene where you know Dan DeVito's like, "Hey Charlie, just go get a job." He's like, "Go get a job, okay? I'll just put on job pants and shoot out of a job can and go to job land and where they just where jobs grow off of job trees." Like mm-hmm. that's stupid. Like I thought that was the most ridiculous route. Like what? Is, you know, anyway. you, you know, what reminded me of honestly, it reminded me of. When they were telling all the African Americans to get off crack, just just say no, just say oh, just, no, just, and then oh, and then Sterling, he had a great one. He goes, he goes. It's like when they told the coal miners in the nineties to just start coding, like going going to tell a coal miner to go learn code. The dude in the nineties and two thousand, the guy still got a landline, doesn't even understand what a computer is, and here you got these leaders of the free world telling coal miners. Go learn how to code. I mean, well, I want, I, w- I want to pull this. Uh, I want to pull this uh, up by uh, um, what Elon Musk said because what he said. Um, anyway, long story short, it's pretty much like you know I, I disagree with not supporting the oil and gas industry because number one, it does uh, provide. And I, I'm obviously I'm not quoting him. It does provide a uh, affordable source of uh, energy. Number two, these people got in the oil and gas industry when it was we weren't the villains. We're just making a living, providing energy, uh, providing a living for our families, providing support for our communities. These people got in the oil field and was like that. Now, suddenly, because somebody wakes up and decides that oil and gas is bad, these people are bad that now that they're oil and gas industry. So he's, he's kind of tired of this, this, vill- this villainization of people in the oil and gas industry. Uh, the only gas, oil and gas industry workers, and the only gas industry. Yeah, my theory like, on that is uh, I've been I've, we've been tracking this for about a month now, and uh, for those people who want to go back and listen, my theory is quite simple: that uh, there's some idol worshiping about Elon Musk to the tune to where he can't do anything wrong. He knows it, so he started investing into oil and gas slowly, and. The media is just going to flat out come out and the climate activists like, oh, finally, somebody who understands oil. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, he's he's going to be like the savior for oil. I mean, yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> you but, can't but make you know it up. Though, if, but you know what, though? If we need someone like that kind of in our court, so be it. I mean, well, I don't care. Like. I don't care who's trying to bridge that gap, you know, but if that's Elon Musk, sure, I'll take it. I'm the same way, and I love the fact because his name's, I think, Elon Musk, and you call him Elon Musk. That's how that's how out to lunch we are about a lot of that well, stuff. So, yeah, uh, well, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm south of I-10, so I think that's why we change it up a little bit. Yeah, I know. I, I get corrected on those things all the time, especially when I go down your part of the way. But, I mean, that's, but that's the thing, though. I mean, we weren't villains up until, you know, you know, of course, we've always kind of been looked in this life, but we weren't quote villains where you can't even you know have a good word or do any good deed oh that if you if you, if you dabble in fossil fuels that but, that you know, conversation is coming by the way um because listen at the at the end of the day the body of work is done okay the body of work is done and there's a lot of people that have been in leadership for the past decade okay and they're still there now what's happened in the last decade is 10 years ago the only thing people were talking about was plastic straws and plastic bags. That was that was the extent of what the big issues were with fossil fuels. I mean, uh, this is before the BP spill, and 
even right afterwards, actually, because they kind of they, they, they kind of did a pretty good job of taking care of a lot of that PR, actually, after about a year, which was remarkable considering, you know, what it was. And so a lot, really, when I look at the past 10 years, um, the bags and the straws and then gas prices, people complaining about gas prices. So in the course of 10 years, when you really stop and think about this, in the course of 10 years, we've gone from paper and plastic bags and straws to the president of the United States trying to flat out ban the industry. How did that happen? Like, seriously, that conversation needs to be had at some point. I don't, now is not the time, but it's a true statement. 10 years ago, this was not an issue. And today we got the president of the United States trying to ban it. So um, anyway, that's a, like I said, that's, that's just a reality check. And, and today or yesterday and this week is some great uh, teachable moments for us to, as an industry, to go out and educate the public. And so Mr. J.P. Warren, Round the Rotary and, and, Podcast. You you know what? And, and, go ahead. Sorry, and, go ahead. And, 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 and last thing, that's, that's the thing. I mean, we're all in the same boat. It doesn't matter if you're pro-fossil fuels or against fossil fuels. I mean, uh, you know, there's, uh, you know, my, my wife has a couple friends uh, that are, you know, very anti-oil and gas, you know, which, which is fine. Uh, that's okay. You can feel however you want. But at the same time, you know, a couple months ago, they're like, yeah, you know, no more fossil fuels, all this crap and all that stuff. And now suddenly, you know, they're out, you know, they're out. They have no power or water, and next thing you know, they're faced with an extremely high electricity bill. You know that it's just like, look, you need us whether you like it or not, and let us be part of this conversation, this transition conversation that's going to take place over the next several decades. Let now, us be part of it. Another good uh, place to educate is Pennsylvania and New York. So, if you want to go listen to the interviews with Cabot Oil, fourth largest natural gas company in the United States. Uh, New York, you know, has got that ban on natural gas, so they import their energy from other places. They don't, they, see, they don't care how it's done in other places, but next door, they don't want anything to do with it in Pennsylvania. So they pay four to five times the amount for natural gas in New England than they do in Pennsylvania once they cross an imaginary line. That's what politics and everything can do. But uh, say, we, we got to probably get running here. I wanted to uh, preview your podcast. And um, uh, I've, I've got uh, Ray Cook, who is a Colorado State Senator, Ray Cook. Got to interview him in just a bit. He'll be on tomorrow's program. You know, Weld County wants to succeed from Colorado and join Wyoming. Have you seen this? No, what? This is a true story. Okay, so we actually, we, so we interviewed Mark Gordon last week, the uh, governor of Wyoming, and we kind of knew this, and we didn't ask him because we didn't think it was legit, right? We thought it was stupid. But then all of a sudden, like the Denver Post and the Weld County paper, next day it's in all the papers, and we're like, oh, man, I can't believe this is real. So we're going to have on um, Colorado State Senator Ray Scott to kind of talk a little bit about what the heck is going on in Colorado. That's going to be a good conversation. <laughs> and... uh Tom Shepstone, he's with Natural Gas Now. He'll be uh, joining us later in the week, too. Teachable Moments. He, he's a um, he's a reporter, journalist type. And then also we've got Stephanie Canales with uh, DEPA, uh, Ambassador, Department of Energy. She's with Cougar Drilling. Uh, our crude life correspondent, Jenica Hauser, is doing that interview. So 
That'll be interesting, a female perspective with a female leader. That's good. North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, as well as Texas State Senator, oh, he's a state rep, Brooks Landgriff out of the Permian, too. So we've got we've got guys that are going to be coming on the crude life to give us updates on what's going on. And we're trying to approach it more from that technical uh, power grid side, the, you know, the technical nuts and bolts side of things. And and I know on your podcast, JP, and the reason I wanted to bring you on is because you don't get into that. You don't get into oh, that no, stuff at no, all. No, no, <laughs> so, no. So no. I want people to go to the crude life if they want to experience a little bit of that news and information stuff. But at the same time, if they're sitting around the house, they don't want to they don't want to get into that probably. They want to probably have some fun and kick back and learn about some people in their industry. So explain your podcast and, and uh, give a plug for a few of the ones you have out there right now. Well, the podcast, it's, it, look, just as you said, there's enough technical podcasts out there. There's enough, uh, you know, market forecast podcasts out there. There's enough all these, you know, top, topical podcasts out there. Podcasts that uh, we do, pretty much you get, we'll, I'll bring some in the room from uh, energy, whether, you know, they could be a CEO, uh, an operator, a salesperson at a service company. It doesn't matter who you are. To me, everyone's got a good story. And what I try to do, I try to bring people in. And I try to talk to him, find out that story. I just did one with a with a, a woman named Nina Spencer, who we kind of got in the oil. She's in the oil and gas industry for the past 15 years, but we got into she does child advocacy in Harris County. She's from Scotland, and she does child advocacy in Harris County. We got into that. Uh, uh, my wife actually just flipped the script and interviewed me recently. We released that one and uh, just kind of learned about me a little bit, and that was a good time. Uh, it's pretty much it's it's pretty much uh, unscripted shoot the bowl conversation and it's been fun it's uh it's we get into some weird fun tangents with uh, some of the guests that we have and uh i just did one that's a uh, drilling engineer with a pretty large operator and uh he uh is kind of uh took a six month trip one way ticket to south america and lived off the land and we talked about that for about an hour and a half so it's been a good time learn learn about people's uh uh personalities and i guess their their stories behind it so it's that, been fun that sounds fascinating by the way i love that stuff <sighs> living off the land oh, and yeah my buddy's pretty cool what do they call me the hippie capitalist the corporate hippie and nature boy i've been called all three so what the heck lots well, those, those are the good names some of the other ones i can't really say <laughs> even on a podcast so well, sir, I appreciate your time this morning. Stay warm, and uh, uh, your company. How give give your company a plug? You know, you actually do have a oil and gas company that you're a part yes, of. So uh, we better talk about that quick. The company is a Capital Petroleum Consultant. So we do. Uh, uh, it's uh, engineer owned and operated. I work with two of my uh, best friends. Uh, they've been in the oil and gas industry for you know 15, 20 years. Uh, engineers. So we do project engineering, uh, drilling completions, and we also uh, provide well site supervision. Uh, out there, pretty much uh, any op- any uh, side of the operations that you're at, drilling, completions, PNA, frack, you name it. Well, sir, that's going to do it for the Play Hard, Work Hard morning show this morning, the truncated version this morning, as I've got to hit the road, and JP's got to go, uh, what do you got to wrap your pipes up? What, I mean, what do you got, a hair dryer with a generator <laughs> on your pipes, or what? No, I think right now, it's, it's just, you just you know, it's the wait and wait method, just wait for water to get turned on and wait for something to happen so you can kind of brush your teeth and shower like a normal human being. Crazy, isn't it? But it's a wake-up call for everybody. Glad you're okay. Glad that, uh, you know, the industry is still moving along and and that we're there once again to solve problems for the planet. 
And at the end of the day, that's what happened. That is exactly what happened is that there was a lot of big ideas and a lot of planet of platitudes that got taken down to the realm of reality yesterday. So we'll see if this awareness kicks in on some people who have got some climate activism on the extreme sides. And we'll we'll see how it goes, I guess. And look at me trying to be as polite and nice as possible. I figured we could have a little bit of a play hard portion for the last two minutes without getting any, you know, finger pointing and that sort of thing. So how can people get in touch with your podcast and your uh, company? Go ahead and plug your stuff. You can find the company. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, uh, Capital Patrolling Cons- Capital Patrolling Consultants. Uh, you can find our website uh, and the podcast. Uh, you can find it on pretty much any um, uh, podcast streaming uh, platform, whether it's uh, Apple, Spotify. We're on YouTube. I uh, got an Instagram page, uh, round underscore the underscore rotary underscore JP Warren. So just just check it out. We got some good content. Uh, it's been pretty. Uh, it's been a good time, so I uh, hope you guys enjoy. All right, folks, that's going to do it for the Work Hard, Play Hard show. We'll see you tomorrow. Sterling's back. It's a cold draft laying low to the floor. Blankets on the couch trying to keep me warm. Well, that's just part of living here. Snow's following, starting to blow. The season's drifting up by my front door. Well, life slows down at a few below. You're walking out.
people that I know. And I'm thinking I'm drinking. I 